up, everybody? I like that little intro. Innovate. That's what it leaves us yeah. with there. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, I had to throw some different words in there, you know? Yeah. Even more exciting. We are, right? We're innovative. So exactly. you know? well, we think we are. We, <laughs> we, you can say what you are, but. Well, I yeah, guess we, we could talk a, a little bit about what we're going to be talking today is kind of innovating, you know, kind of changing that company culture and how that, that develops. So that'll be a fun topic to dive in today. So. Yeah, I think it'd be good. So let's welcome everybody. This is the Zion Experience. We're on episode seven. It's hard to believe that we're seven episodes into this. We uh, we haven't dropped episode six yet, but it's coming out soon. We recorded it a week or two weeks ago and had a really great guest on. Um, had Reagan and Jacob stay on with me. Jordan was, he was actually in Florida, I think that week when uh, I recorded it. Or maybe you had a, you had a, you had a customer visit. I can't remember. It's one of those two. And Last week we took took a week off because I was out and in Florida, and here we are back, episode seven. And J Jacob already told a little bit about it, but we're going to talk about building a company culture. I think it's something near and dear to Jordan and myself. And Jacob, you're with the company, I think, partly because of the company culture. So we just said, hey, let's keep Jacob on to ask some of these questions. Ask some of these questions, if I can talk clearly today. <laughs> and. Uh, and just, I, I get really, really pumped. Like I, there's a lot of companies I think that talk about culture um, and they use the words culture, but they don't live it. And this is certainly a passion of mine, uh, a passion of ours. I shouldn't just say mine. It's a passion of our company and how we, how we built the company and we we're building it around culture and we're, we're excited. I'm excited to haven't seen some of the questions. So we're going to find them out today and just hear them and as usual, talk about it, but, but welcome episode seven of the Zion experience. And if you haven't downloaded us, we uh, we're on Spotify and YouTube. So go out to our, our Spotify page and our YouTube page. You can find it through our website as well. Um, it is the ZSG.com T H E Z S G spelled out.com. And you can, uh, you can find it through our links there. And we'd love to have you weekly come in and join us and, uh, we drop an episode about every other week uh, of the Zion experience. So, Jordan, what's been going on with you? Well, not a whole lot, you know. I mean, right now I'm in my um, my temporary little office setup here. So we were just getting ready here, and Jacob pointed out the number of doors that were behind me. So we'll see if anybody enters through those doors as we're going on here, door one through four. But I had to switch around to the other side. I have windows, and I don't know – if anyone that watches, if you have a window behind you at your desk and you're using a webcam, how do you prevent from getting just absolutely blown up from a whiteness standpoint? So I, when, I'm, when I'm on the other side, I have the blinds closed. I try to do everything I can. You just can't see me. So if anyone has solved that, I'd love to know so that I can uh, switch back around and have the windows behind me. So, But no, excited <laughs> for today. I mean, I think you know, as long as I can remember, Jimmy, Jimmy and I have been working together now for eight, nine years um, in different capacities. But there's been one common theme throughout that entire time. And the industry that we're in is that culture and people are everything. It's who we are. It's, it's, it's where our success comes from. And without the people that we have and without the culture that we try and create and live, we can't have a successful company. It doesn't matter um, how good you are. If you don't have people there to support you, you just won't find success. So, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, we don't manufacture any of our equipment. We, we partner with really good business partners and we solution and we design and we implement and we support. 
Um, so because of that, our products aren't going to make us stand out, but our people and our culture can and does. So excited to get in here and talk about it today. Yeah. And I guess, you know, you're talking about people and Zion kind of built that from scratch. I guess, what are some like effective strategies that business can take to kind of develop or maintain a strong company culture around the people, especially if maybe if they don't have that culture currently, what are some things they can do to kind of move their company towards that? Yeah, I can kick it off. I, I think, I don't think there is a right way. I think you've got to find your way. And I think it's got to be authentic. Uh, I think it's got to be built around the team that you have. But if you talk about a process that you follow, one of the biggest things that we did when we started Zion is, is really indoctrinate or put on paper, what's our vision, what's our mission, and then ultimately what's your values. And we talk about this a lot. It can be called strategy, but I, th I think you've heard there's a statement out, a quote out that says, culture will eat strategy for lunch. Um, and a good, strong culture will, will kill strategy. Um, maybe I completely butchered that and got it wrong, but I think I'm right. So if I'm wrong, somebody can tell me. But what we started with is putting our vision down, Jacob. So when we started Zion, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's been, what, 15-plus months now, Jordan? Uh, yep. We'll put on paper what what's our vision, which is what you aspire to be someday. That's what your vision kind of in a layman's term stands for. You look out into the future. You're looking down 10, 15, 20 years down the road. What's your North Star? What's your What what do you want to be someday? We call it a green dot, but what do we want to be? And so we wrote that and put it on paper. We said we want to deliver memorable experiences, and we want to guide intelligent change. That was our vision. And then you follow that up with your mission. Your mission is what you do every day. It's when you wake up, what do you do every day? And um, our mission, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically we're subject matter experts in technology and innovation and, and systems integration work um, is part of our mission. And another part of our mission is to build up, inspire, encourage, and serve and help others. Um, so that's what we wake up every day with the intention to do, looking down the road at our vision of we we ultimately want that memorable experience and, and people to feel like they've got the right change, intelligent change. And then it comes back to your values. Your values are your minimal acceptable items of the team that you put around your company. So our values are have fun. Our values are, you know, we're, we're fully transparent. We've, we've got a list of values. I don't have those memorized. Unfortunately, I can pull them up. Jordan or, or Jacob one can, can pull them up, but they describe the type of people that you want to put at the company. So I think you've got to start with, with that. Where do you want to be? That That's the culture. And so the four of us, uh, Chuck, Jordan, Drew, and myself, we, we spent a lot of time on putting that down on paper. It was multiple meetings. Uh, so back to your question, like how do you define culture? What's the process? I, I think it's got to be, in my opinion, it's got to be, you've got to put on paper what you want the company to be. Whoever your founders, your leadership, uh, your owners, your whatever, right? You've got, you've got to put on paper what you want to be and indoctrinate that. And then ultimately, I think you surround yourself with a team that fills those values, that buys into that vision and that lives that mission on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, you see a lot of companies try to, you know, have a strong company culture, but I feel like as companies expand or you get new team members, it's kind of hard to stay on that same mission and culture can change. I guess, Jordan, do you have any 
advice to leaders in um in companies kind of how to keep that culture even with expanding with two new team members how do you keep that strong positive company culture yeah no i think it's a great question and i think jimmy alluded to it and i, I think one of the keys here and I, we're going to hit it hard is there is your vision statement um and i'm going to tie this back to your question jacob but the reason the vision statement is so important is it's it's a long-term goal right jimmy said it's who you aspire to be and if you keep that in focus, you don't change it, you don't modify it, and you try to build that into your team um, every day, every week, every month, whatever it is, you get your team members bought in on it. And once your team members are bought in on it, they share it with their team members and their coworkers. And so what we do is we try and we don't try. I think we succeed in having one-on-one -on -one conversations with all of our, with all of our uh, team members on a weekly basis. It may not be me talking to every team member. It may not be Jimmy talking to every team member, but combined, we try to have conversations every single week just around how are you doing? How can we help? Where do you need help? And the reason that all comes back to the vision statement is we want to deliver memorable experiences. That doesn't just apply to our external customers. That's our internal team as well. We want our internal team to have a memorable experience. An example of that is every podcast, I have a golf reference. We were coming off the U.S. Open or Wyndham Clark won, which was just a really cool story. And he had talked about his vision was winning and being in that moment, in the U.S. Open. He lost his mom 10 years ago and almost gave up golf. And he had his brother and his sister there um, with him. And he just said that I just I had a hard time continuing to do what I was doing. But my vision was to go out there, be the best that I can and ultimately win a major championship. So through 10 years of just living out his vision every single day. He was able to come out and have a success and, and win a major tournament that will forever be in the history book. So the reason I bring that up is just once again, if you keep that in the forefront of your mind, you're not going to solve it today. You're not going to solve it tomorrow. But if it's who you aspire to be and you really focus on that with not only yourself, but your employees, you will continue to build a culture that will attract people, that will keep people, that will retain people. Um, so that's kind of my, my thoughts and advice of when a company is expanding it doesn't matter how much success you're having. If you're not focusing on your team and you're not focusing on that vision and mission, that all that explosive growth is going to come back and be just a disaster. So it's important to continue to, to maintain that same culture. I don't care if you're five people or 500 people. There's, you can do the same things. Yeah. yeah and I, I like how you said, you know, it's not just a memorable experience for the customers, but it's for the Zion team members as well. And I mean, I can speak to that. Um, I mean, graduating, you know, you're through the job search and stuff and you're like, hey, what company do I want to, you know, start my career with? You know, who do I want? Who do I see myself with, you know, five, 10 years down the road? Uh, and I experienced that, you know, I, I saw, you know, the Zion culture, that Zion experience. Uh, and it's something I wanted to be a part of. And, you know, it's something that I want to spread. And I remember my one-on-ones with Jim as an intern um, was I enjoyed every every week he would ask me a leadership question or some question and then me and it made me want to grow it made me want to become a better leader you know um and so i think that really speaks on the culture at zion it's not just a memorable experiences for you know the customers but it's a memorable experience for the workers as well um so i think zion has done a very good job of building that whole strong co company culture for the workers uh here so yeah, Definitely. I think one thing we took away, 
Jacob, to hit on this theme is, is companies are hopefully the people that are listening to this, we give you all a few tidbits. You don't have to use everything, but it, you know, the, the benefit of this is, is you get one or two items that maybe you can put into play. And I think you said it, the hardest thing would be is you've joined a new company, you know, the culture needs to change. How do you shift that? And if you're a leader, uh, if you're part of the executive team, you know, those one-to-one weekly meetings are so crucial. You can have traditional is you have a six-month review or a 12-month review. And I'm not saying those aren't critical. There's multiple conversations that you can have. You can get overboard with it, but you can have a one-to-one weekly. You can meet monthly. You can meet quarterly. You can do biannual or annual reviews. Those are all important conversations. Gallup calls them conversations. But what one of the ones that we found is the most effective is is the one-to-one meeting. And it's not about getting on and downloading your task list. It's it, it may evolve into that, people just in the conversation, but the way we approach it is it's one-to-one with you. So when Jacob, you and I met, it was always about, hey, what's going on with you? And sometimes we talked about what your workload was, but other times it was talking about like, what, how are you doing? How can we help you? What are you not getting? What, what could we do differently? Um, are you happy? Do you, is, is your work-life balance in, in balance? And I think it's just a critical conversation that if you're not doing those, that's one thing you can take today. You can start that step of setting up 30 minutes, setting up an hour, doing it weekly or every other week and meeting with your employees, your direct reports, your team face-to-face. And it takes time. You, you've got to be present. You've got to, you, you don't move this meeting unless something changes because when you move a meeting and you put a customer meeting in place of an employee meeting that tells your employees what you value in your culture. Um, so it's a commitment, it's a non-movable meeting, but it's a one-to-one get to know your team. I think that's important and I ramble way too much, but I'm going to say this because I, I you, Jordan, I don't know if you remember this from the Gallup training we did several years ago, um, but I think it's Whole Foods said, and I, I love this quote and I've used it all the time, is if you take care of your people, and in our, our, our culture, we say, if we take care of our people and our partners, they're going to take care of your customers. And then profitability, all your company metrics and KPIs and goals will take care of themselves. So we really live by that. And it's not about we'll take care of our people ahead of our customers. It's not focus only on our customers because we believe if you take care of your people, and in our case, our partners as well, if we take care of those two, pe- those two groups, they're going to take care of our customers. And then all the company goals and the profitability and the, the margins that you need to run a sustainable business and to grow and to have a healthy business, that's going to take care of itself. And, and that's ultimately, I mean, that's a, that's the summary of it. So Jordan, you remember, do you remember Diane sharing that with us at Gallup? Yeah, I do. I mean, it was just, if you take care of your people, they take care of your customers or your customers take care of you. Right. It's right. just, it's just typical, right. Which is it, right. just, it, it's the absolute truth. Right. I mean, we can't be, in every customer meeting can't be on every customer job site. You know, I mean, we, we have a long sales cycle and we really believe in, in multiple points of contact within uh, the customer, but also ourselves. That's good business practice, but it's also good cultural practice because what we will do is we will put people in, in situations. Um, they might be new to Zion. They might be new to the industry, but we want to put them in situations that give them an opportunity to, to succeed and learn. Right. And then continue to grow into a, a leadership position if that's what they want. Right. Not everybody wants to be in a leadership position. 
And that's okay. We're here to support that. The point is, is you have to understand your individual's goals, right? And you can challenge them on that. It's okay. Some people say, I don't want to step up because they don't think they can succeed. And it's our job to make sure that we let them know the qualities they have and the success they can have if they desire it, if they want it. But we really take the time to understand, to challenge, to grow. Um, and a lot of it, you know, <laughs> being in a position, a, a leadership position, I think one of the most enjoyable parts of any of our jobs is the ability to watch people grow. Like yourself, Jacob, coming into the industry, you came from a very good program at UGA, but it can only get you so prepared, right? And getting the opportunity to get out there and to, and to hopefully learn something from us and, and um, challenge yourself in ways that maybe you didn't think you, you, you could. Right. And that's that to us is part of, um, you know, one of our ultimate goals. Uh, that's part of that memorable experience. And that's part of, you know, guiding intelligent change. Once again, it's not just external. That's internal. Right. So everything we do is, is for our people and our customers. Every decision we make, um, we ask ourselves, how does this impact our team? How does this impact our customer? And then we come to the to the appropriate answer. And, and look, I. I'm kind of rambling now, but I want to state one thing is that we're not we're not experts in the fact that we're not going to continue to adapt and take feedback from our team and from our business partners and from our customers. And I can give you a real example. Um, and I don't know if you have this question later or not, Jacob, but a lot of us are remote and a big challenge for a lot of people is how do you build a culture remote? And we can still hit that question. But. I was having a conversation with one of our customers the other day, and they have a team that's all remote and from all different parts of the world, right? And what they do is once a month, they pick somebody who's going to guide them on cooking their favorite meal. And they take a part of the day, they get on teams, they have the instructor, their person, it's their favorite meal. They all get on and they all cook a lunch together remotely. And I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world. And I can't wait to try and do that here, try to do something. But it's just taking time out of the day to, to build and to learn more about each other and, and culture. And it's just I thought that was really, really cool and something that I, I certainly want to adapt. So I'm stealing that from somebody else. But that's what you do, right? You share, you're transparent, and you continue to better yourself. Yeah, I think it's definitely more difficult to gain that good company culture when you are remote because you don't have those face-to-face -face contacts. And like you said, it, it, I think it's harder for someone to step up and voice an opinion when it you can't really go and hey, knock on someone's office and go sit down and talk to them face-to-face. -face. You know, it's it it's more difficult and kind of don't know what the word is, but it, it's harder to take initiative when you're on remote, you know? And so I think a lot of companies are struggling with that. And once people can start figuring out how do we build a company culture when we're remote, uh, it's going to be much easier uh, to kind of see these cultures adapt. So I'm going to put you two on the spot. We just had a little meeting before this. Jimmy and I had a little international trip and we share very different views on food and the importance of that in your daily life. So, Jacob, I'm going to start with you. Jimmy, you got to think through this a little bit. If we were to cook something, what are you te What are you going to What are we going What are we cooking? What are we making? For me, yeah. um, what are you guiding us on? You know, I really like cooking fried rice uh, and orange chicken. So, probably orange chicken and fried rice. Um, that I probably cook awesome. that twice a week. So, uh, it's probably one of my favorite meals to cook at home. That sounds great. Jim, what are we doing? Come on. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what I'm doing. 
I might just be an observer. I might I might bring in some outside help, and we've got a, a little deli down the street that just opened up, and I'm I'm a part owner of it, and it's not a super small shop. Don't get me wrong, but I may bring them in and let them do a little class on how to make chess bars or some type of dessert, or or something that people would enjoy. Or I might bring in we got we got somebody here, one of our our old employees that claims he's the best no bake cookie person on the planet and really? he swears by them. And th- those seem, when I hear no bake, I it's, I've never made no bake cookies, but it sounds like a pretty simple process to make some no bake cookies. made bake, baked cookies. No bake, you know, no, I'm saying know. you say you've made no bake cookies. I'm saying, have you personally yeah. made baked cookies? Oh yeah. Maybe yeah. once, maybe <laughs> twice. <laughs> Yeah, I think I would do tacos. I make my daughter and my wife love tacos, so I think I'd take us on a journey across fish tacos, beef tacos, chicken tacos. We'd kind of make one of each, and we'd use corn tortillas and we'd fry them up and be good. Be cool. Yeah, my wife's she's got she's gluten free. She has celiac, so a lot of what I have to do, I have to cook without gluten. So I, I've I've learned I, I do a lot of cooking. Um, I like outside cooking, but I've learned to to do a lot of dishes without gluten. So, including yeah, I do a cooking. lot of grilling. I grill yeah. a lot. Pretty basic stuff. I'm I'm not yeah. a. That's okay. I'm from Kentucky, kind of mid. You know, we we kept pretty basic meals. I'm not I'm not real adventurous when it comes to food. We'll we'll talk about that on another podcast. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely not adventurous either. My dad's a cook, so they took all hey, that. Hey, orange chicken and fried rice—that's that was that was good. That sounds delicious. You know, it's just soy sauce. <laughs> it's pretty easy. <laughs> Got to use tamari. Got to get gluten free. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's good. Um, good. But I guess, how do you think companies can attract top talent? Because I think a lot of graduates nowadays are coming out wanting to have that good company culture. And that's something a lot of people are looking at nowadays. And I think it's something that's maybe adapted over time is people are more worried about um, the company they're joining than more the pay now. And so how do companies attract that top talent? Yeah, I can... I don't know that you yeah, give away ahead. all your secrets here, right? About culture and what we do, but and I don't know that they're really secrets. I think what we try to do is just it's who we are, it's how we want to be treated. And so we have conversations and the recruiting process very much mirrors that. So for me, I, I think you've got a generation, not all, but you've got a generation that believes in delegating certain tasks out that you know, HR and recruiters are the only ones that should go out and interview a person. And so we take a very hands-on approach is most everyone. And, and this changes as you get to a certain size and scale, obviously we're, we're talking, our company is a small business. Um, we, we don't have thousands of employees. It would change, but right now that's the company we want. That's the size business we want. So we interview our every, every person. I, I interview the interns coming on, um, it's not, we don't delegate that task out. One, we don't have anybody to delegate it to right now, but even in, at our previous employer, we would have those conversations with the team and I, and it's not a traditional interview. So when I'm meeting with people, it's not, tell me your three greatest strengths and tell me your three, three weaknesses you want to improve. We might zing one or two of those questions in just to see how people respond and react, but it's really more about explaining who Zion is explaining who the team is at Zion and then asking about them. It's more of a conversation instead of an interview. Um, And then I think the other, 
So the twofold would be is we have a unique interview process and it's really more of a conversation instead of an interview to get to know you. Cause we believe if you have attitude and aptitude, I'm going to steal that from Drew. We can, if you have the right culture and you have attitude and aptitude, you've got a place here. We've got a spot. We'll find a, a job description that best matches your technical skills, but those you got to match the culture first. You got to have the right attitude. You got to have the right aptitude. And then, will fit you into the job description at that point. So we got a unique approach to interviewing conversations and hiring people. And then the other is we spend a significant amount of time putting on paper and branding what Zion is. And I don't think you can, you can make all the marketing material in the world, but it comes through in items like this. This podcast is about sharing our culture with our future teammates, our future partners, and hopefully our future customers. Um, and we do that through LinkedIn. We've each got a personal brand that we work on and people are looking, I think today's workforce are looking at those outlets of who the company is. What does Zion talk about on LinkedIn? What does Zion have a conversation about on, on the Zion experience? Who's this Jim Shaw? Who's Jordan Frank? Let me look up their, their social media and find out are those people that we would be attracted to or not. And it's really at the end of the day, Jacob, to summarize the question is like you're trying to attract people into your culture that fits your culture, our culture in for everybody. I think it's important to note that. And we realize that there's certain people that would not fit well in our culture and that's okay. There's a culture for them, but we try to go out and attract people that fit well into our culture that are going to fit with the team we've already built out. That's going to help our customers and help our industry. There you go, Jordan. It's pretty brief on that one. <laughs> No, that was good. I mean, I, I think a lot of what you I mean, everything you said, I think are things that I, I absolutely agree with because they're things that we do um, together as a team. And I would just add to it that I, I do think that this podcast is a window into this isn't this isn't I think I enjoy this. Jacob, I think you enjoy this. Jim, I think you enjoy this. And it might be when we start off it's a little bit outside of our comfort zone, right? Getting on here and just talking. But man, this is a look in, a transparent look in. We don't have any prep work for this of just who we are as people and what we're looking for, these answers are coming top of mind and they're just the honest truth. So I think, you know, when it comes to attracting people, I will say we are at one distinct advantage of the fact that I think our industry and what we do is some of the most exciting stuff of anybody in any business. And I think um, the reason I say that is when I, when people ask me, what do you do? My answer changes every time because there's so much that we do, right. And there's so much to learn and there's so many different positions that you can grow into. And if you want to work with robotics, great. We work with robotics. If you want to be an engineer and do engineering things, great. We've got it. If you want to be on site with customers and you want to manage and you want to be more of a general contractor or project management, perfect. We've got a spot for you, right? If you want to be marketing and, and you want to be sales, awesome. We've got a place for that as well. So I think one thing that I just, I'd be, I'd be lying if I didn't say this is that I just think our business, our industry is in one of the most exciting places of anybody. And I think that attracts a lot of people to start. So then beyond that, I think everything that Jim mentioned in terms of, you know, this podcast, the social media, we do put a lot of work into that. Um, and the reason we do that is it's, it's twofold, right? One, certainly to build the brand. We want people to know who Zion is and what we stand for. But it's also to let people out there know um, but there's a company there that really values their opinion and values them as an individual and wants to learn them to grow. No, we don't have a corporate ladder that you can climb, right? And if that's something that you're looking for, that is one of the interview questions we have. And we're going to be transparent with you. We don't have levels 
that you can just continue to climb up. Some people want that and that's perfectly okay. May not be a fit, right? But what we really try and do is, is let people continue to learn in their strengths and their skill sets and then grow into positions that they will get to a leadership position at some point in time. Um, but at the end of the day, man, we're about having a good customer experience. We're about having fun. We're about training. We're about giving you opportunities that we don't think other companies can. We, we, we give you the opportunity to travel if that's what you want to do um, and get out there and see all kinds of different parts of the country and see different uh, um, distribution centers and meet new people. So I get excited about it because I can tell you in 2014, when I came to this industry, my, my, my family had been in this industry their entire life. My grandpa, who I was with on Sunday for Father's Day, He's 83 years old. Um, he's still with us. He's still doing good. My father, I still work with him every day. But for years and years and years, this is what they did. And I came out of college said, no way. Don't want any part of it. And I went, I did my own thing. And I had success in there. Um, but it got to the point where it was retail hours. And I got a call. My mom's like, I want you to come work with us. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't know what you guys do. I'm, the, I'm no engineer. And man, am I happy that I said yes. Because I love what I do every single day. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And I hope to pass it on to all of our team members as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know, you know, in the past I've done internships at big corporations and stuff. And it was sometimes you would go into work and especially as an intern, you feel like you're just a number. You know, you're just someone that is, you're there just for three months or so, you know, and I think that's the big difference between, and it's, it might just because it's a smaller business, but I think, you know, you feel like you have a purpose, you know, especially when you have a good company culture, you have your workers feel like their, their works has value. You feel like your work's actually doing something. And I think that that's a big thing. And I, I think a lot of corporations or small business can pick up is make, even your interns, your employees, make it feel like their work is actually valued, you know, make them feel like their work is doing something. Because I think that's the biggest thing is for most people, they want to see what they're doing um, come to life, come to fruition, you know, and when someone can't see that, it's very hard for them to, you know, put their best effort in uh, when they can't even see the result of it. So I guess I think it's a great point. Well said. Um. As we can go on to the next question is yeah um, let me let me add one question yeah. to it so even though we are small today i think our, our our last company we had several employees and we scaled that that company you know six to eight x and and just the employee wise we we grew faster than that and i think there's probably some break point where you lose that a little bit at least the the one-on-one -on -one interaction, the intimacy with maybe the executive team, you know, when you're talking thousands or 10,000s of employees, uh, you are hundred thousand employees, like you lose some of that, but I still think you can have the culture and the guiding way. And that's why your vision, your mission and your values are so important. You know, even if, if we grew and we don't intend to do this, it's not our vision right now. It's not, not our, our green dot is, but ultimately if we had a thousand Zion employees, or we had 10,000, they'd still have our values. They'd still be committed. They'd still be innovative. They'd still be passionate. They'd still care about family. They'd still focus on relationships, listen to our customers, and they'd still have fun. Those would be the values that we would put in place. And I think that's what's important in your culture. So yes, it's easier, but it got harder when we got, you know, 80, 90 employees, but we still 
talked to everyone. We still had those intimate relationships and it's work. You got to put work in to have a good culture. You don't, you don't get to just put it on a piece of paper and give it to somebody at new, new hire and orientation or day one and say, here's our culture. You got to live it. Culture is a living, breathing thing that Jordan already mentioned that it's got to evolve too, as the business evolves, as the culture evolves, as, as just society evolves, you know, you hit, get hit with COVID. Like that's a whole new culture you got to work through. And uh, it's just the management of people and, and, and how you do it. So it's not this binary thing that you have and you put on a piece of paper and it's always there and you point back to it. It's a living, breathing culture. I wanted to throw that in just in case anybody's listening. It's like, well, I'm too big. How do we have culture? It's easy for you to do it. You're a smaller company. You know every employee by name, but I I, I don't think it's limited to that. I don't think it's limited. No, and, and I just want to add to it. You know, I talked to my previous employer, and this would be a free plug for CarMax. CarMax has been the top 100 places to work for the last, I don't know, 15 years. And I don't know how many employees they have now, tens of thousands of employees. Um, but I can tell you, as I worked there for five or six years, in different capacities and it was never it was never um i never had a problem in understanding that my managers my leaders cared about me as an individual right so they still as big of a company as they are look to them look to their strategies they really do rely on gallup but they do some things that just show uh their their care about people their care about letting people grow um and, and into those positions that they want but to jimmy's point it absolutely is harder i'm not here to say it's not that doesn't mean it's impossible. Yep. And I think especially expanding, like when you have a bigger company, I've, I made a LinkedIn post the other day and one of the advice to, you know, recent graduates was build a strong network. And I think that's more than just for people, recent graduates. I think it can be for companies as well. I think when you become a bigger company, you need to surround yourself with partners and customers that have that same vision and mission as you. Uh, it doesn't have to be the exact same vision and mission, but it needs to be something that aligns with you. Um, because when you have those partners that kind of support you in your culture, um, it's going to make it much easier to, you know, keep that strong culture. And so how does Zion choose your partners and how do those partners kind of align with your, your culture? I think it's a good transition. I always go first, Jordan, but I'll jump in and, um, it's a so our partners are equally they have to have our values they have to have our commitment so we've got something that we call the zion commitment so when we're introducing ourselves to new customers which is frequently um, as you're building a new business or, or rebooting an, a business like we have to get your brand out and to meet new new customers you they've got to have the same value so i i would not limit this to partners um, I think we pay, pay a little more special attention to our team members, but for partners, they're closer to our team members, but they have to have our values. They have to have ultimately our commitments that we would give to our customers. And so culture is not only about your people. I think it transitions into what people you work with and ultimately what people you work for, your customers. And so we talk about, we already hit our values. I just rang through, rode through them a minute ago. Um, but we talk about the Zion commitment. So when we're sitting down, we look our customers in the eye. And one of the first things we tell them or our partners is we're not the right fit for every customer and they're not the right fit for us. I think a lot of companies may look at it as you are looking to go get customers. Well, we're interviewing our customers just as much as they're interviewing us because we know our culture doesn't match 
every company, every customer out there. But we talk about commitments a lot. The Zion commitment that we we put on paper is we believe in a partnership, not a transaction. Uh, we believe in full transparencies. We 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 commit to our customers that there's not going to be surprises. The only thing we can can truly tell a customer it's going to happen in one of our projects is there will be issues that you have to work through. And so we're always transparent. Um, we always do our best to make sure there's no surprises. We ask them to meet us in the middle because that's where we're going to do business. It's not always our way. It's not always their way. I think most problems you meet in the middle and that's where problems get solved. Uh, we discuss and establish expectations. I think this one's a huge one. So if nobody else gets anything else from this podcast is with your employees, with your partners, with your customers, you got to discuss and establish expectations because voids are not filled with good things. Usually, usually when there's a void in life, you don't fill it with the, the best benefit of the doubt as a human being, you put in the scary stuff, the bad stuff, the, the mistrust, the distrust in, in there. So discuss and establish expectations. That doesn't mean you have to agree on it, but reference back to meet in the middle. Um, real-time communication, you got to have real-time communication. Conversations are easy. We pick the phone up. We always will pick the phone up and have the conversations in real time uh, when we need it. Good conversations and and not so good conversations. You got to schedule. If you got expectations, you got to you got to adhere to that. So schedule milestone tracking, and then ultimately we're there through the entire life cycle of a project. Um, I'm going to do a post about this. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to do a post about this, about telling people to bring the same amount of energy to the execution and delivery side of a project as you do to the sales and solution side. And I think there's a clear distinction of when you're solutioning and selling, like the energy's high. It's like your honeymoon or your first date or your, you know, that's when all the good energy's there. You're trying to sell, it feels good. And then you get a contract and some companies don't have that same energy that they bring to the delivery, to the execution, to the implementation. So we do, because we believe that's where some of the biggest relationships, the best part of the memorable experience is, is made, is that we did what we said we were going to do in the front side. We delivered on that. We were always there. We never left you. So a long way, Jacob is saying, we have a Zion commitment that our customers can expect our employees should deliver and execute to. And ultimately we go out and find partners that not only have technology that helps us solve a problem, but they fit that culture and they have that same level of commitment that, that we're going to sit across from a customer and tell them you can count on us with. I wouldn't brief on that one, Jordan. No, it's all good. I mean, I think it was all important to say, I mean, I, I will be brief um, and just following that of just simply saying that, you mentioned managing expectations or talking through the expectations. And a lot of times we will do that with both our business partners and our, our customers up front, right? And that really allows us to evaluate how much of a cultural fit we are. And there has been times and it's really hard. I, I, I'm, I'm on our sales side and it's really hard for me to do this, but it's important <laughs> is that if you can't align on expectations and if you don't have a cultural fit and it's just not worth it, Nope. Because you're going to put your employees in a very difficult spot. You're going to put yourself in a very difficult spot. And you're not going to be able to meet the expectations of that customer. So there are times up front um, with both partners and customers who just say, look, we may not be a fit um, for, for these reasons. And that, that may lead us to having a conversation of just a comeback and a line. Or it might just be that we have a mutual um, decision to just say, 
we're here to help. We're here to recommend, um, but we're just not the right partner for you. And yeah. that transpires down to our, our that, once again, that decision is being made, not only on the customer's behalf, but on our employees' behalf. Been in situations where we've got a really good team member that's put into a really bad spot with a really, um, I don't want to say bad customer, but there's bad expectations of that customer. And they're just hard to overcome. And it leads to burnout. It leads to losing a, a really key or important um, individual. And it, it's just, it's just we, we value ourselves. We value our customers. We value our partners. And we value our team members too much to put them in that position. So it's really important for us to make sure there's cultural alignment um, and, and, and expectation alignment on any start of a new customer or partner. Awesome. And you nailed it, Jordan. I think a lot of customers don't fill that space. They don't have these tough conversations because sometimes they're uncomfortable conversations and sometimes the outcome would lead to, we ultimately don't do business together and that's okay. But I would encourage you to have the conversations and we know we're not the right fit for everybody. We don't try to be, we're, we're, right. we're not, it's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. And we're not trying to be a certain company. We know that. And I think that's why we're different. I think that's why customers and team members and partners ultimately are attracted to us because we have those conversations. We believe in the full transparency. We believe in having it. Let's, Hey, it's easier to have the conversation before you're in the middle of the issue than it is to get in the issue and try to have the conversation. And anybody that's implemented or been in this industry long enough, they know exactly what I'm talking about. I'd much rather have the conversation up front and tell you this. It may still be a tough conversation, but at least you can reference back and say, I told you this is what was going to happen. This is how we were going to handle it. Here we are. Here's how we're handling it. That's a whole lot different conversation than why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you educate me? Now you're, now you're playing. Um, now you're reacting instead of being proactive, I guess is a good way to say it. So Maybe that's another nugget. You got to have it. I mean, they're tough conversations. It doesn't mean everybody's going to like you. doesn't mean everybody's going to like what you have. It doesn't mean you're right. Like Jordan said, we're always evolving. We make mistakes. We're not perfect, but have the conversations, especially the tough ones. Awesome. Yeah, I think these are all great points, um, especially I think we had a great conversation about, you know, building and maintaining that company culture and making sure it's strong. And that's both with employees, customers, and partners. Just what, do you have any last minute thoughts or, you know, last major ideas about company culture and maybe advice, um, last bits of pizza of advice for uh, maybe someone that's listening out there and wants to adapt their company culture? Hey, solicit feedback, you know, and um, sometimes it might be difficult to get honest and truthful feedback. So you may want to give your, your team an opportunity to do it anonymously um, or go through and, and just talk with multiple people. You don't want to just rely on one person's thought. You want to rely on, on your team's thoughts. So, but I think it's just really important because at times you may think that, man, I'm doing a great job. Um, but when you give, when given the opportunity, people come out and say, look, I, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling there. I'm not seeing this. You said you were going to do this. You're not doing that and whatever it is. So I think if you haven't, just solicit feedback. My, my thought. Yeah. I'd go back to where I started, Jacob. I, I just, if you had asked me six, seven, eight years ago, was there value in going through an exercise of writing down who you are, what's your vision, what's your mission, what's your values? We, we reference back to that and it's an anchor 
to us to always go back to that you can bring on new team members that you can point to that you can have conversations around and uh, it's not easy it's not fun you don't have to be a hundred percent as an engineer sometimes I, I don't take my own advice but get on paper who you want to be what you want your team doing every day and then what's your minimal acceptable items and values that you're you're going to surround yourself with and you'll be a better company you'll be a better group you'll be a better person because of that. And, um, I, I don't think my advice would be is maybe you can't change the company. Maybe you work for a company that's too large to change, but what you can change is you, you can start with you cause you look in the mirror every day and you see yourself. So you can start with you at a minimum and then, uh, uh, graduate to your team. If you're a leader, if you're a manager, if you're a supervisor, put it on paper, who you want to be, this is who we are. And I think you'll see it grow. I think you'll see a better quality of work. And I think you'll have a more engaged, empowered workforce. And if nothing else, you'll have a stronger culture. So that that would be my advice. Awesome. And also we'd plug if somebody, if some company's out there that wants to talk about deeper of what we've done, not that anything we've done is magical. Um, we had some guide guidepost. Uh, that we use from a, a while back, but most of this has been organic and how we've done it as, as a leadership team and uh, as a group of founders, but we love talking about this stuff. So if you're, you're interested in it, we'd be maybe, maybe everybody doesn't love it, but I think we mostly love, we'd be glad to have a conversation with you or come, come out and talk to you and just share what we did. Again, it's not for everybody, but it works for us. Awesome. I think we'll end off with a, a fun question. Um, is it a food question again? Well, yeah, it is a food question because we, oh. we talked about, you know, Paris and stuff. If you went back to Paris, what kind of restaurant would you want to go to? Well, I ended up doing it in spite of my counterpart, Jim, here. But what I really enjoyed is I went to a um, little cafe, you know, you think about Paris and I thought about the little brick roads, right? The little table sitting outside and having some coffee and pizza and uh, maybe a beer or two. And that's exactly what I did. So I would go back. I would do that. I would force Jimmy to come with me. I'd have him sitting next to me. We'd be sitting there with a the newspaper and our legs crossed on those little fold out chairs, sipping some coffee and having some biscuits or scones rather. So that's, that's what I would force Jimmy to do. <laughs> I've heard they had great hot chocolate there. That's what I've heard. Well, we'll get some hot chocolate. I think we can get Jimmy on board with that. Hot chocolate. <laughs> what do you call? What do you call? Is it creeps? Crips? Crips. Uh, Crips. There you go. We'll sit down and have some coffee and a crip. Perfect. Look, there's more time. people like me out there. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that. Of I've been to 25, 30 countries, and one of my least priorities is food in these countries. We can. We talked about that on our sales call this morning. Jordan told the story of, listen, I'm the guy. I would rather go to the Louvre, and I got a what? What do we call it? A prepackaged sandwich from right. from down. Huh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> there, that there was is my a lot of people when I was in Paris. <laughs> there is a lot of people like that. They're generally under the age of ten, but it's a good portion <laughs> of the population. So you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, did you get to see the Mona Lisa at least when you went in the Louvre? I did. We the did. Mona Lisa, if you've never seen it, like most people, you 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 had these visions in your head of like how big something is. The Mona Lisa is super tiny. It's all yeah. in its own room by itself. There's a bunch of people in there, and you can't get right up next to it. But 
it's way smaller than most people would realize. And then other pictures that you'd think are, are not that big are just enormous. Huge. Yeah. Look, I mean, literally yeah, taking the Middle East on, cool on a huge wall, right? Yes. By itself. The only painting on there, you got glass around it. And then you got a little like railing. Broke that off area. Yeah, yeah. Much smaller than expected, but still, the Louvre was, it was a very cool experience. I, I had no idea the size of it. It's pretty yeah, amazing. It's, it's enormous. It's a cool yeah. place. Paris is neat. We were there. I, I, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but right before the fire almost destroyed, was it Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were there like a week, Jacob, or two before that happened. I rode my first scooter. Um, what, what is That's it? Bird and what, what's what some of the other, what's the green one? Lime. Yeah. Lime. Yeah. I took a, a lime scooter and I rode all over Paris in it. I'm talking all day. I had to had to get another scooter. My scooter ran, my battery ran out somewhere and there was not another scooter. So I doubled up with another guy that his nickname scooter and we were riding two on a little scooter. But that that was a really nice experience. We really enjoyed it. Paris is a, a fun place. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I think that's episode seven. Um, that's course, a wrap. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Follow us on Spotify. Spotify and YouTube. All right. High on experience episode seven. Enjoyed it, guys. Y'all did great. Awesome. All right. See you. Until next time. See you.